Welcome to today's podcast brought to you by MarketScale. I'm your host, Sean Heath, and today I have the privilege of speaking with Monica Rickey, the founder of Catalyst Organizing. Monica, how are you today? I am rocking the house. How are you? I am doing quite well. I'm really excited to have a chance to talk to you today. So I'm very interested in origin stories, whether it's a superhero movie or just a a writer, or I'm always interested in why people wound up where they are. So do me a favor. Give me a little bit of the history of Monica Rickey and how you felt the need to found Catalyst Organizing. In 1998, I had moved to Atlanta not too long prior and I was really just wanting to start a business and what I did was I sat down and I made a list of all the things I'm great at all the things I like doing what my skill sets are and I thought I think that I can come up with this new thing that I am going to do next and the thing that kept coming up for me over and over and over again was process and analysis organization and simplicity and productivity. It, it, it seemed to be a thing that I did everywhere I worked. And I thought, I think there's something to this. So that's really, that were the seeds of my business back in 1998. And I started asking people on the residential level, would you let someone come in and help you organize your home? And to my shock, people said, yes, I would. And that was how I started. Now, I moved into organizing businesses not long after that as well, because I found that the principles and the concepts are largely the same. It's just the arena is different. You and I are going to get along just fine because I love organizing things. You're, You're kind of like a mobile mental container store. I like that. You know, Container Store is one of my very favorite places to be. <laughs> and right? It's not just because of the containers. It's it, there's there's so many solutions to problems located in those four walls, and not only just solutions, but beautiful solutions that really are um, are just aesthetically pleasing as well as functional, and that's really important. My daughter always tells me that I'm a neat freak, and I say no. It's just that I know where everything goes. Mm. That's that's a great point. (laughs) So let's talk about that. You know where everything goes, but not just from a physical standpoint, but from an intellectual, procedural success standpoint. So let's talk a little bit about that. I come in to you. I reach out to you and I say, Monica, I've, I've got a cluster. I can't straighten all these things out. Please help me. What's the first thing that you kind of need to find out about me in order to know the best way to help me? The same way that you would interact with your doctor is the way that you would interact with me. And so we would talk about what are your symptoms? What, what hurts you? What's going on? And then sort of dig in and get a, both a bigger picture and a littler picture. And what I mean by that is my first session is typically a discovery where we'll talk about everything from 30,000 foot view down to 10 foot view, because in order for me to figure out what's really going on, I need context. Once I can get some context, then I can isolate and begin to identify where are the roadblocks and the snags and the redundancies in the process of your work. And that's really what productivity and organization are about, is identifying what's stopping you from getting from A to B. Sometimes it's process. Sometimes it's you don't have the right tools in place. Sometimes you don't have the right people in place. But many times 
It's the way you're approaching things. And for almost 20 years, I shifted people's spaces and tools and resources. Now I'm shifting people's awareness and mindsets and habits. I've always thought that that problem-solving gene was something that was really highly developed in certain people, and the rest of us need a little a little boost to try and help illuminate that part of our psyche or of our mental um, library. Do you find that once you sort of get people fine-tuned a little bit that they pick up a bit of inertia on their own? Inertia is a word I use a lot, actually. And the answer is yes. Typically, once you put someone into action or you help them get themselves into action, that does create a momentum and an inertia that they can ride for a while. Very often they get stuck again. So, you know, we encourage them to revisit as necessary. But really, a lot of people just need help getting clear on their priorities, their values and their goals. They need a plan. And then they need you to just push them off the ledge a little bit and they start to fly. You know, I'm I'm very interested in the differing approach that I'm sure you must have to take from, let's say, I'm going to talk to you as if you were a corporation, because you are technically, uh, you have residential customers, quote unquote, but then you have the professional commercial executive customers. Is there a marked difference in the way that you approach those two types of situations? Believe it or not, <laughs> there's not. The, the conversation is different. The context is different. But the process we use to be a catalyst to inspire change is the same. It's about identifying what roadblocks are in place, why they're there, what's contributing to them, how do we mitigate them, what does the future look like if we continue on the path that we are on. It, it, all those high-level conceptual ideas belong in both conversations. How they execute, how we execute may be very different. Residentially, we'll execute in a completely different way than we will in a corporate setting. But it's all about getting unstuck and getting people into action around what they want to have happen versus what they've been tolerating happening up until now. So talking about inertia, there will be, at times, certain trends that start to happen maybe outside of your direct focus. And because you're an industry leader, you have a tendency to kind of glance off and you notice trends as they're happening and starting to pick up their own inertia. Once something has started to move forward, is it easier for you to integrate that and bring that inertia and add it to that which you've already created for your clients? I think yes, because once people are into action, their minds have become open to new possibility. I feel like when we're stuck and we're we're kind of letting something hold us back, whether it's uncertainty or fear or a lack of information, once we get that unstuck and things we start moving through ourselves through our pipeline of productivity, we're open to, hey, well, what about this idea? And oh, wow, all of a sudden this new thing occurs to me. And now we start talking in a different way and new opportunities sort of just show up. 
And, and that's really what's exciting about this executive productivity coaching that I'm doing. And again, I say executive, but it you could be the executive of your home too and running your family. And every home and family has its own set of processes and hierarchy, just like a business does. So once we get people moving forward and it doesn't matter how fast, that's the really cool part, just moving forward, whatever the pace is, is empowering and powerful for individuals. And it, it enables them to create new realities that they were not able to create before. One of the interesting things about the way you approach this is that you are completely neutral. You're the Switzerland of coaching. There's not an industry that you can't help improve. There's not a person that can't benefit in some way. You're you're relatively broad spectrum in that you're able to focus on specific challenges, but your vision is 360 degrees. You can go anywhere. I can and I have. And that's one of the benefits of working with someone like me who for 20 years has been with their feet and hands and brain in lots of different industries. Because what happens is we can create a cross-pollination dynamic. So for example, I work with one of my clients who is a wildly successful online seller. Well, when we're working together and we're looking at his processes and we're looking at, you know, kind of how do we make his business better? I also can call on, oh, well, I remember five years ago when I worked with, you know, this other business and here's what they did. And I'm wondering if can we apply that or some of that to what your challenges are? Because business challenges really transcend industry and they transcend the silo of sectors because a lot of them really do cross and, and are effective across pollination in a cross-pollination kind of way, which is what inspired me to create my leadership panels, which is exactly what that is about, is bringing ideas from outside of one industry to a particular industry so that those people can learn from other people who have the same challenges, but in, a, in maybe in a different sector or a different business. Has there been one industry that you've gleaned some insights from that came as a total surprise to you that you didn't think this industry is going to be a really good uh, example? Hmm, what a good question. I would say maybe manufacturing because manufacturing, there's a lot of process involved in manufacturing. There's a, there's a lot of moving parts and when you have a long process, every single, every single piece of it has to be really well thought out and really perfect. Because if one thing breaks down, it, it, it's literally one of those stop the presses moments where in a, in, a, in a chain like that, if you have one weak link, the entire process stops. So that it gave me, gave me working a manufacturing client, gave me a sense of how precisely vital process needs to be. For example, if you're doing a service business, you might not think that process is that important because you're not providing a product that is like a widget that has to be precisely designed and, and actually produced. You might say, oh, I'm, I'm just a real estate person or I'm, you know, I'm just whatever I'm doing. But your process, even though you don't have a widget, your process is what will make or break your brand. It will make or break your customer experience and it will make you or break you in terms of scalability. So I would say that big lesson 
for manufacturing was probably one of the most surprising and beneficial things that I've learned. So you you mentioned your your leadership conferences, and it's uh, called Leaders Inspiring Leaders, these, these panels that you set up. And of course, we're in trade show season right now, so there's um, a renewed sort of spring in the step. <laughs> See what I did there? <laughs> and so uh, is there something that you're working on now that's not too super top secret that you can tell me about? Well, the panels are actually a fairly recent development and they're really exciting for me and they're not top secret at all. I want them to be not secret in fact, because I want to do a lot more of them. I I came up with this idea for leaders inspiring leaders after I did this kind of panel for my own professional association conference and it got such wildly great reviews. Thank you very much if I do say so myself that I thought I can do this for other conferences too. What I what I discovered after I did a survey, I did a public survey of people who attend at least one professional conference per year and 350 people, actually a little bit more than that, responded. What I learned was people who attend conferences, 92% of them believe that learning from people outside their industry can benefit their own business, first of all. And more interestingly, 94% of the people who responded said that bringing leadership skills on board in their own lives would benefit them personally. So that is how I came up with this idea of, of sharing leaders, inspiring leaders. So what we do is we bring our leadership discussion panel to an industry conference and whatever that industry conference is, let's just say it's, I'll just make it up and say it's real estate again, because I happen to have that on my mind. I will put together a custom curated group of panelists that are specifically not in real estate, which seems counterintuitive. But what we learned is that people learn from cross-pollination of other industries, other sectors, and from individuals who have different backgrounds and different experience than they do. And it's just been wonderful. It's very, very exciting. Well, when you speak of cross-pollination, I think it's a natural segue into talking about another blend that is starting to really take hold in society and that is the concept of a work life balance and the with the changes to uh, sharing and gig economy and just all of these different metrics that are coming into our day-to-day -day lives how do you see that work life balance uh, impetus affecting the way that we approach our careers moving forward I think we're moving into a place where work-life balance seems more attainable, but we have to shift our paradigm about what it is. It's not going to be equal hours. I, I mean, I think that in the beginning of the whole, the whole conversation about quote unquote work-life balance, people thought, oh, I have to, you know, like work so many hours and not work so many hours and, you know, I'm struggling with it. It's not going to be that way, especially with technology. The with the role that technology has been playing in the year, in the uh, last few years, it's possible to have work life integration, which gives you a feeling of balance. People work from home now; they work from their cars, they work from anywhere in the world. So, I think that shift will give people the, the ability to have a little bit more of a fluid 
approach to work-life balance and not pressure themselves so much. The other thing to think about is what work-life balance means and looks like to each person individually. It, it really does. For myself, my husband and I have zero children. We have zero pets right now. And so our concept of work-life balance may be wildly different than my neighbor down the street who has two little children and a dog because their needs are different than ours. So work-life balance, not only the concept of it has to evolve and I believe is evolving, but also can become fluid from one period of your life to the next period to the next period because our lives are always changing, even from one job or one role to, to the next role. And you also may find that there are times in your life when you don't want or need work-life balance. Frankly, if you're in startup mode, I would say, heck, you're going to have to give up on that for a while. You're just going to have to because your business requires more than what a work-life balance will offer it. You might have to suck it up for a while and, and be out of balance. But you're doing that in pursuit of a higher, bigger goal. And to me, that is absolutely a perfectly fine trade-off. I have always been a firm believer that once you realize that work can be part of your life instead of a separate process, that balance happens naturally. I tend to agree. In fact, if you especially if you enjoy and love what you do, it's really easy to work all the time and not even suffer any ill effect from it because you're really immersed, you're engaged, you're challenged, you're, you know, you're fired up and excited. And if that's how you are and you're in a flow, man, why not go with it? Why not go with it? I mean, don't force yourself into a quote unquote balance that, that you don't crave or need at any point. Well, today I've been talking to Monica Rickey. She's the founder of Catalyst Organizing. Monica, thank you so much for taking the time today. It's been really interesting. I loved our Sean-versation. Oh my gosh, I'm trademarking that. I really am. I think uh, that was very kind of you. I appreciate that. I wish you continued success and safe travels, and I uh, look forward to talking to you again in the near future. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of our podcast. If you'd like to find out more or listen to previous episodes, go to marketscale.com slash industries. And if you have a chance, subscribe to the MarketScale publications for the latest articles, videos, and podcasts from your favorite industries.